the biggest thing, you know, when I'm when I'm documenting Baltimore, a lot of times Baltimore, it can be very, very stressful. You no, know, but there's a lot of love here. And you wouldn't know that love if you're not from here. It's a certain sense of camaraderie. We, you know, we are proud of where we come from. You know, like, ask somebody where they from. Oh, I'm from West Baltimore. I'm from this street. I'm from this block. You know, like, oh, I'm from over east. I'm from down the hill. You know, people take pride in where they from. You know, so I try to show that through the imagery because I feel like it's a, it's not enough of it. What's going on, y'all? You have just tuned in to the Black Shutter Podcast. On this show, I invite black photographers, filmmakers, editors, and creative business folks to discuss their experiences and share their wisdom. You will hear about their work, their challenges, and their inspirations. My name is Idris Talib Solomon, a creative director, photographer, and filmmaker based in Brooklyn, New York. So if you dig photography and you love the culture, keep your mind open and your headphones locked. This is the Black Shutter Podcast. One definition of street photography is photography that features unmediated chance encounters and random incidents within public places. When you photograph black communities, there needs to be a certain level of respect, compassion, and awareness. You have to care about the community you photograph. And unfortunately, many photographers miss the mark when it comes to photographing our neighborhoods. Our guest in this episode is Baltimore Sun. His life experiences have influenced his photography, allowing him to highlight the beauty in his surroundings. He is considered our present-day Gordon Parks, both in artistry and personality. He is a self-taught artist who gained national attention when his photograph of the Baltimore Uprising was published on the cover of Time in May 2015. He is the first fellow of the Gordon Parks Foundation Fellowship and was nominated for an NAACP Image Award as a debut author for his book, beautiful ghetto. His photographs have been published in New York Magazine, the New York Times, the Washington Post, and Aperture. His photography is also featured in a permanent collection at the National Museum of African American History and Culture in the Studio Museum in Harlem. Devin Allen, welcome to the Black Shutter Podcast. How you feeling out there, bro? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Ah, man. Definitely, man. Definitely, man. So, uh yeah man this has been a, a long one in the waiting man i think you're one of the first photographers i wanted to speak to when um you know uh i started thinking about this podcast so i'm happy that you know we we're able to find some time right now man um tell us where you where you calling from you know me baltimore maryland all day so i'm in baltimore right now always on the home front a lot of traveling but i'm always back home nice nice uh, I saw you were traveling. I, I think I saw you were uh, uh, doing some stuff with uh, Steph Curry a few days ago. Oh, yeah. You know, Steph is a really good friend of mine. He's actually like uh, when I first started, you know, photography and that one of my first freelance jobs was actually traveling to Asia with him um, in 2015. I went to Asia with him on his Asia tour and I would do so, you know, a couple more years after that. So, you know, over the time I've worked with him a lot. We built a really good uh, working relationship and friendship. Um, friendship. Um, he's a supporter of my work. We've been able to, you know, collaborate on shoes and do a lot of stuff with Unarm or do give backs together to the community. So, you know, he got um, got the award for sports person of the year, sports illustrator. So him and his team invited me out to the awards and everything. Dude, that's amazing, man. That's amazing. I mean, like, you know, for uh, a street photographer, 
right? To t- kind of like go from just documenting, you know, things going on in his neighborhood, in his community, to kind of like transcend to sort of higher than just being a photographer, man. It's 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 amazing. You know, I would definitely want to get into those details of how you got to that point where you are traveling with arguably like the best basketball player in the world right now. Like that's amazing. You know what I'm saying? Um, and and the fact that you know you're calling from Baltimore. You know, I know like I didn't have to ask you where you're from because I think everybody knows where you're from. Like Baltimore speaks. Like Baltimore is written all over you, and and you're always posting about it. It's like your Baltimore son. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Like, this is my home. I'm third generation. You know, my grandmother and her sisters and um, moved up from North Carolina in their teenage uh, teenage uh, years. And, you know, and then my mom grew up here, my dad. You know, and I'm, like, really in. You know how you can be from somewhere but not be of it? Oh, yeah. You know, like, I'm not just from here, but I'm really of it. You know, yeah. like, I really grew up in the streets, you know, I used to throw parties, uh, got into a lot of trouble, you know, and um, it kind of made me, through all the trials and tribulations, got me to this point. I don't think my life, I would probably be in a different, have a different perspective on life. I probably would have turned out totally different if I didn't grow up and go through the things that I've gone through here in Baltimore, which keeps me grounded and so humble, you know, and, and being one of the people that, you know, like you said, Baltimore son, that I do get a lot of support from my community. You know, I'm one of the ones that will live long enough to make it out compared to some of my other peers. I always wanted to be, you know, try to be a positive influence in the community and be very, you know, accessible to the community also. And the fact that you you stay, you know, that's important as well. Yeah, everybody keep asking, you know, like I had a chance to like go to New York, you know, like my career, you know, with the time covers and stuff. I had a chance. I could have went to New York. I still can, you know, but at the same time, you know, I feel like I have an obligation to use my talents and and as I build, you know, my 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 legacy, you know, which is here in Baltimore, you know, eventually I'm going to, you know, spread my wings and move to, you know, other places and travel more and study. But I wanted to make sure, you know, early in my career that I, I just make sure I build that connection through the art form in the community, you know, and also, you know, using all the, the attention I've been able to get over the years, you know, post, you know, the Baltimore uprising, making sure that I'm, you know, giving that energy back and helping the community, you know, before I become too detached and I'm older and, you know, you always got to spread your wings and leave, but why I still have like, I'm on the ground, you know, I still have a lot of respect in the streets, you know, eventually, you know, um, I'm going to get too old for that. So while I want to make sure I plant those seeds while I'm still young and vibrant and still early in my career. So when it's time for me to finally move on to other things that I want to do, you know, it's still that home base and that love here. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, and that's respectable. You know, um, it's easy to just see the bag if it's offered to you and be like, yo, I'm out, man. Thank you. Thank you, be more, But gotta go um but you stuck around man it's almost like you know when you listening to hip-hop and there's certain rappers who put their city on right like uh it's almost like you're that for like baltimore through photography you know what i mean yeah definitely you know i I get that it's funny i get that a lot because i rep baltimore so much and it's like everything that i like like you said it's everything that i do like i live and breathe it. i carry with me everywhere everywhere that i go you know in 2015, becoming like the eyes of the community, you know, shedding light in places and, you know, 
being that conduit, you know, between the community and the rest of the world at that at that moment, you know, has uh, been a blessing. You know, being able to shed light on and on things that um, that people would would normally not know about or even ignore. You know, because you know what happens in a lot of these cities and definitely communities like Baltimore, we never really get to speak for ourselves. And someone, you know, always controlling the narrative for us. So if I can, you know, be that person, you know, uh, you know, repping Baltimore and showing the the real side of it, you know, and everything in between. Yeah, for real. You know, before your work, you know, my only reference of Baltimore was like The Wire. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean, and um. I know there's some, I know that's arguably one of the best shows, you know, that, that, that made it to television. And I know, um, but it's still, it's still not as authentic as real life because there's somebody writing these things and it's, it's, it's being shot in a way that's, uh, it's not organic, right? Like there's a lot. There's probably a lot of truths in it, but you're documenting Baltimore from a real perspective. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's like the first thing I get everywhere I go. You know, it's like, oh, the wire. Mm-hmm. You know, some people might bring up the corner, or some people are like, oh, they found homicide life on the street. You know, some of the old heads, and uh, and you know, it's like it's a lot of truth to the wire. You know, I, you know, um, and I tell people that all the time. You know, Baltimore is is not a cakewalk. It's um, it's one of those places where. It is dangerous. It can be dangerous. Those things do happen, you know. Um, and 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 the wire, you know, that's one side of Baltimore. But it's so Baltimore has so much more to offer, you know. And it's something that I had to learn learn that through the phone from, you know, um, just stories of when my mom was growing up and stories from like my OGs and, you know, my uncle, you know, but things that I've witnessed and been through, you know, I had through the art form, I was able to see a different side of Baltimore, see Baltimore in a different light. So even, even for me, I have a different perspective on my own, you know, since I picked up the art form, but, you know, Baltimore is a tough place. And when people bring me to Y and I'm like, yeah, it might be a little bit worse now, but you know, but there's a lot of truth to those stories though. A lot of worse, man. That's crazy. It's even, you know, it's hard to imagine that. Right. And, um, but damn, um, you mentioned that you are three generations in in, in Baltimore, right? Um, what was, you know, what describe your upbringing? Like, how did your family view the arts? Yeah, you know, um, I was spoiled, so it's like um, I was, you know, I had an amazing mom. Like, my dad wasn't really around. They got divorced or whatever when I was young, so he was like. He'll pop in and out when whenever he feel like, but I got a real good family structure. You know, like I got, you know, I got my my grandmother and then she got three little sisters, my aunt. So like, you know, I'm going to church with them on Sundays. I'm going to church on Tuesdays. You know, like my mom kept me in sports. Um, you know, I had a fairly normal, you know, upbringing. You know, um, you know, and I talk about this a little briefly in my book, but you know, when you get you know, I grew up in just around my family and then people that I knew in my neighborhood. But when when I got a little bit like older and like 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 around like middle school, going to high school, that's when I really start. You know, you start recognizing things and things happen. You know, and I think I lost like my first friend to like gun violence, and then and then I then a lot of my friends start getting caught up in the street at a young age. But where's the we call it jumping off the porch? But I was still on the porch. Mm-hmm. You know, I was an I was like. 
I was the kid. I was always fighting. I was a fighter. So, like, I used to get into it. You know, I had a Napoleon complex. But then, like, when I start seeing, like, in high school, life in 10th grade, my friends, they hustling. They come and got all the joys. They come over the house. They got everything. You know, and that's when I kind of got subjected to a different side of Baltimore. And, you know, like, my mom is, is my, like, my right-hand man. She's stuck with me through everything that I've been through. But, you know, it's only... You know, the, when the streets get you, yeah. it is what it is. So, you know, um, I took that route for a while and, you know, been arrested, locked up. I didn't seen people get shot. You know, I was in the streets with, with my homeboys for, for, for a while, you know. And, I, and it's something that had to happen, you know. And luckily, I just, I lived through it. I made it through it. You know, it's still, you know, you, I have those those moments where something from my my past might rear his ugly head. You know, I might run into a dude I had some beef with or something, and I'd be like, look, I ain't on that type of time no more. I'm a changed man, you know. But, um, I live, you know, I lost a lot of friends to the streets, and, and, and I had a daughter really young, too. Uh, my daughter was born when I, I was around, like, 18. I was coming out of high school and then <laughs> had a baby, you know, and wow. she kind of prompted me to want to, like, change my life, you know, because I wasn't living for myself anymore. So you still got you still got cats that might remember some old beef like even to this day? Oh yeah, definitely. Like um like Baltimore is small, so it's like everybody's like one one or two people removed like you you might know one person that might be from east baltimore and you might know their cousin. You know, isn't isn't that, you know Baltimore it take you like Without traffic, you could probably get everywhere in Baltimore in like 30 minutes, like wow. just about anywhere, you know, 30, 40 minutes at the most. Baltimore's not that big, you know. Um, but yeah, you know, like I've even, you know, early as, you know, this year, you know, ran into you like a um, couple guys that I knew they, they was in jail for a while, you know, um, they did a couple years. So I ran into them like out and about, you know, like. I went up to him like, yo, you know, welcome home, you know, because people, when you, the streets, they, everything that's happening outside, they know about what's happening in the jail, you know, and, you know, people talk. So, you know, I went up to, to the guy like, yo, I know we had a little issues back in the day, welcome home. He's like, no, yo, I, I seen you on the news. Yo, you doing your thing. Keep, 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 keep it up, man. I'm proud of you, you know, and then like those, you know, and it's like, those are like, like the moments you be like, dang, like, you know, I only can imagine like, some of my peers, like they had like lived long enough to like squash their own beats. But it's like to the point when I see these guys, man, it's all love. Hey, what's up? Like, you know, and um, the, the, the support is there, you know, and um, it's dope, you know, and I try to like, it's like yeah. that's that's where you see like the work that you're doing, pouring it back into the community. Some of these folks, the, the old beef cats can look at that and be like, yo, you know, appreciate what you're doing because if something like that. Somebody was like giving back during that time when y'all were beefing. Maybe y'all wouldn't have been beefing. Maybe y'all wouldn't have been in those situations where you felt like you you had to get into that street stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know. And then, like I said, like I was, you know, I, I'm in a different space now. I try to give back, and like like I said, like I'm trying to like, you know, use my God given talent, which is art, and give back to the community to kind of, you know, inspire you to take a different route than the, than than I did in a lot of my other peers because I can only imagine if I would have found the camera mm-hmm. early in life or, you know, was was into art or you know, I was always into those things when you you know, but with peer pressure and and just society, you know, growing up, how we grew up, a lot of those things that when you come an age, you put it to the side, you know, you can, and I just came back to it, realizing these are the things that 
I put to the side because I was a follower. You know, I wanted to do what all my homeboys were doing and what the older guys were doing that I knew, you know. Um, but, yeah, like the, like the support is there, you know. Um, you know, still, it's this Baltimore. I'm still, like, even, you know, in, even, you know, people are, you still in Baltimore? You're not scared? It's like, I try to move, you know, with positivity, but I still have issues in the city and things like that. You know, it's still a city. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, that's one thing, man. You, you know, I'm, I'm in Brooklyn, man, and, you know, sometimes beef don't die, right? And you don't know what any, what's on anybody's mind. Like, sometimes people look at you and be like, why I'm not in that situation? And. <sighs> some things go cross their minds and they want to act on it. You know what I mean? And so I understand when people are asking you, like, yo, you, you ain't scared? It's like, sometimes it's not even a matter of being scared. It's just a matter of, like, that crab in the barrel mentality sometimes mm-hmm. you know, with our folks, you know? Yeah, and it's something that I've learned. And, you know, I'm still learning, you know, because you still want to stay, you know, who you who you are and stay true to yourself you know so like but i do i'm very mindful how i move like i don't just like when i'm like i'm lucky enough but i've had instances where like photographers have come to baltimore like and try to like walk around and take pictures you know similar similar to like how i do it and then like they've had their stuff took you know and yeah you know and they call me and i'm like what you want me to you want me to go get it back like (laughs) i don't know these people like you know i when i shoot you know i'm very respectful of the community as a whole, because even though I'm from West Baltimore, but I'm not from, I don't know everybody. I don't know every block. These, you know, so I, when I'm walking around, I always try to speak to people. You know, I try to act like I'm not even from here, you know, but I usually try to stay in places. I got like my, I'm like in, like in communities where I kind of grew up at, you know, and I know people, but when I go to other parts of Baltimore, I'm always respectful of, of, of everybody, you know, and, um, and like that, and you still, I still have to be mindful of my surroundings all the time. Like, I'm not just walking around, like, skipping around, like, oh, I'm taking pictures. I'm Devin Allen. I, I'm from Baltimore. I get to do what I want. But it's not that, you know. It's, I can, I can, I, it's people in Baltimore that do good work like I do. It's people that are good people that still get killed, get caught, wrong place, wrong time. and Or you could be with the wrong person or be, you know, it get like that sometimes. So I always try to be mindful of, like, where I go, where I go to eat at, where I have my drinks at. You know, like sometimes you might catch me in the neighborhood bluffing with some of my homies, but I always try to be mindful and still keep my head on the swivel, similar to how I grew up. And and I think that's something that a lot of people don't recognize when it comes to the type of photography you do, right? Like it's heavily street photography, right? Um, and, you know, when you go into a certain neighborhood, a certain community, you can't just walk in with your camera, right? Because our communities have been, like, exploited in that way, right? So you have to, you know, in order for you to get the kind of images you're, you're getting, you have to connect with people, right? And, yep. Yeah, and and when you say keep your head on the swivel, I know exactly what you're talking about, right? Just growing up in those certain environments. I always, I always tell folks, like, being a photographer and growing up in Brooklyn in the 80s, right, I wasn't. I didn't know I was going to be a photographer, but I knew I had to be mindful of my surroundings. I needed to know which blocks I, I could walk up during certain times, right? And I needed to learn if these if this group of kids were like, were they if they were playing, play fighting, if they were arguing, if they were beefing, if they were just telling the story. I needed to be able to look at that real quick and determine like 
what was happening in that situation, right? So then fast forward, yeah. as a photographer, I can look at a situation real quick and make a decision like, oh, I see what's happening. I see their facial expressions changing. I see their body languages and all of that. So when I look at your work, especially like the protest work, especially in this book, No Justice, No Peace, which we'll talk about later, like, yo, you're photographing these these protests from every angle, bro. You're like, you could tell that like, you're up on the fence looking down. You're on the ground looking up. Like, you're from the side, like, your head is on a swivel. And I feel like because you grew up in that environment, like, that's sort of, like, translated into how you make images. Yeah, definitely. Because when, when I first started, it started off, like, it was just something to something that, I, I got into it through poetry because my friend, we was uh, throwing a poetry night together. He asked me um, to throw a poetry night and end up being successful. But, you know, around this time, Instagram was coming out. It was like 2011 and 12. So he, um, we didn't have like budget to hire no photographer or stuff. Like, you know, like when you go to the club, you had your, your <laughs> the club photographers and all that. Mm -hmm. So instead, you know, um, he had this little Nikon Coolpix camera and we started we start taking pictures like at the um like at the event and then we would put up put some of the photos like on t-shirts sell the t-shirts at, at at our events that's kind of how i got you know got into it i didn't get my first camera until 2013 and when i got it i didn't know anything about nothing like i just remember googling gordon parks and i was like i want to be like this guy and then mm. my grandma would help me get my camera and i just would shoot anything like my homeboys like oh they rap they need photos uh, my homegirls want to model they need photos i'm walking up just walking around the neighborhood snapping photos then you know some people might you know my friends got clothing lines so they give me a couple dollars i do their photo shoots then they got to the point where i would just start roaming the street because some days i wouldn't have nothing to, to shoot and that's where street photography really i gravitated to it and I just love like being in that moment, you know, when you 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 miss that shot, that's it, you know. If but if you get it and you know you got it, it's like one of the best feelings ever. ever. Mm. And I just love being in a moment, and you know, I, I learned how to. It's like a form of meditation. That's what it became for me because it puts me where I'm at in that moment. I'm not thinking about nothing else but capturing the shots that I want. I'm not thinking about oh, did I eat today or that. I'm not thinking about anything. I'm just me in the street, you know. And it's like. I'm just in my head, you know, shooting, and that's when I fell in love with street photography. That became my like my main focus, you know. So when I remember going to my very first protest, you know, which you know, studying Gordon, just looking at his body of work, and I just remember that quote, you know, that was his choice of weapons. And I remember in 2011, I write briefly about it in a book with my friend, who had an altercation with Baltimore City police officers, and and you know, was murdered. You know, I've been harassed by police, but I never thought, like, why well, I'm going to a protest. Like, what, you know, like, I always felt powerless. You know, like, we don't have, you know, this is life, it is what it is. We can't change anything, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but something told me to go to this protest, you know, from, from Mike Brown. And one thing about Baltimore, anything happens, Baltimore always, we do protests, you know, for Mike Brown, for... You know, Tamir Wright, Sandra Bland, you know, we have a lot of organized, you know, organizers in our communities that, you know, are, are on the front lines 24-7-365. And I remember going to my very first protest and, and I'm not, the energy just was so infectious and it was like, wow, like this energy just like, I can't even, 
can't even like put it into words, but I'm just capturing these images. And, and that was my very first protest. But from that protest, you know, um, and, and then, you know, unfortunately the following year, Freddie Gray, I had already been to like a couple protests and I started to get to know some of the organizers and some of the people on the ground. Um, cause you know, you recognize people through images, mm-hmm. you know? And so when, when all the stuff happened with Freddie Gray, I knew no one could tell that story better than me. I'm from West Baltimore. So I just grabbed my camera and I didn't know what to expect. I just knew that the resilience in my city and, and how strong we are, you know, and I didn't know what to expect, but I just remember grabbing my camera and just shooting it. And I just wanted to capture everything. And I told myself, cause I tried to get work published at, at the local paper, but I couldn't even get a response back. So, but at this time I said, I'm gonna just turn to social media and my camera had Wi-Fi, so I wanted to go faster, move faster than media to let people know what was going on in Baltimore, in a sense, take control of the narrative. So I just started shooting and posting, shooting and posting, shooting and posting. So I was shooting black and white Wi-Fi everything on my phone. I would post where I'm actually on the ground. So I would snap a couple photos, and then if I saw something that I dinged, it was like, that's a that's an impactful image. I'm putting it straight to Twitter and Instagram. And, 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 and I just was just shooting shooting everything. And, and the interesting thing about it is I... The, the, the community, it felt like you got arms wrapped around you, I, like they was protecting me at certain points. If I got too close to a police officer, someone would step in front of me. In a sense, a lot of, I made a lot of friends and family too going through that process. Wow, man. Yo, Baltimore Sun, right there, right? And I think, you know, that's really amazing that at that time, you had the foresight to send pictures from your camera to your phone to put it up on social media. So in a sense, like you were your own, you know, you were all, your own journalist, your own editor, your own, you, and you were running your own social media, right? And not understand, you know, at that time, like you just felt like this is what needs to be done. And to be thinking about all of those different steps in the middle of a protest where, you know, City's like literally on fire. You know what I mean? Like, how did you have that that foresight to to know like this is what I need to be doing? Yeah, you know, I think it was you know, I think it was like the ancestors was guiding me. You know, if mm-hmm. I felt like I, it was timing, you know, timing preparation means timing. You know, um, I had been you know studying the art form. You know building my style and you know like i said gordon was one of the main you know just you know i couldn't even afford like like i tell people like when they get into photography they think about buying books and stuff i'm like books photography books are expensive and (laughs) i couldn't like at the time i was working like a little job working i i worked overnight with with young adults with autism intellectual disability so i so i can i work from 12 at night to 8 in the morning so i can shoot all day Mm. i was i wasn't making a lot of money i had like I had my daughter, so I would go to like Barnes and Nobles and bookstores and just look at a bunch of books, take pictures of them on my phone, yeah. <laughs> and then that 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 you know, and then I would go back to YouTube, try to find interviews and study. But from studying Gordon, I start understanding how impactful and powerful imagery was, and like how pop, you know. And I was like, I'm gonna do this, and I didn't. I just stopped thinking. I just was like, put the pictures out, put the pictures out, and. And eventually, that's how, you know, um, the stuff started getting viral because, you know, a lot of people didn't know what was going on in Baltimore. You know, when it comes to Baltimore, you know, like, they only bring us up when it's like, oh, it's a, um, 
they talking about our murder um, uh, murder rate and stuff like that. You know, Freddie Gray, at that point when we first started, he hadn't passed away yet. But we had already stopped protesting as soon as he got hurt. People start organizing right away, you know, but it wasn't that big. It didn't, I don't, it didn't get that big media coverage until the first part of the uprising happened because we called the uprising not like riots because there were so many different components and, and, and that was happening at one time beyond just the, the burning of the cars and the looting. What really got people paying attention was he passed away, but then we tore up um, part of downtown. So they start destroying police cars and in a part of um, downtown Baltimore where a lot of white people live at and that's when it really started getting all that media traction. When when the city starts getting destroyed. Not when yeah. not when Freddie Gray dies. Um no, when we like when we first started start protesting like it was locally yeah, it was getting, you know, a lot of it was due to a lot of social media, you know, like people were reposting the videos, you know, like Kevin Moore and then my other friend Kiana, you can hear her actually in the Freddie Gray video. Because like I said, Baltimore is small. Like one of the girls lived in the, the court, my homegirl lived in the court that where Freddie Gray was last seen alive. You know, um, she she lived in Gilmore Homes. I mean, I went to high school together, you know, and she was kind of like my point person on the ground to let me know where the protests were going to be. So when we first started, they first started organizing. It wasn't a lot a lot of people, it just start growing and growing, you know, like, and eventually, you know, the, one of the biggest protests was that Saturday where I took the time cover. So many people in the street from, and, and we marched from Gilmore Homes downtown. And that's the day when like all the media start swarming in and even more started swarming at the day of Freddie Gray's uh, funeral where the initial riot happened when they burnt down the CVS. Your, your, your life changed during, that, during those protests, right? Like, you are one of the very few photographers, amateur photographers, whose photo uh, blessed the cover of time, right? And from there, like, you've had so many so many more accomplishments, right? Um, but a lot of people only see the glorified part of that. Like, yeah, they see that you took that photo, but in order for you to make that photo, you were in the front lines with your camera, figuring figuring out this, uh, figuring out this photography thing. You know what I mean? Like, what goes, describe what was going through your mind when you're out there documenting this protest, because there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of, um, you got to think about your physical safety. Um, you're also um, making art, you know, and there's, uh, like, how do you turn on these different parts of your brain? Or it's just like, you're just in the zone and then you come out of it and you just like, you know, you kind of decompress after. Like, what, what what's that process like for you? Um, it, it was like very, very, you know, and I, I try to be very, very verbal about this, you know, um, when, when you in those moments, you know, it becomes in essence, it becomes a part of you, you know, like that was my life for all of 2015, you know, because protesting just didn't stop once media left. We were still protesting exactly. for like six months straight, you know, wasn't, wasn't sleeping right, you know, wasn't eating right, still trying to go to work every day, you know, in the, those first couple of weeks, you were just on straight streams, you know, just marching nonstop on the ground, shoot at it, you know, you know, it got to the point where some of some, you know, because 
even though I was taking pictures, I had become a part of it. Whereas, like I said, like I had, I know the organizers. It got to the point where people were asked, where were calling me and telling me where to come. You know, it got to a point where where's Devin at? Do you know, like we we want him on the ground. We we got this meeting. Can you come to? We doing a prayer circle. Where's Devin? Mm-hmm. You know, like people were calling me. You know, in the sense of a lot of us made, like I said earlier, a lot of these people became my friends and family and you know we 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 bonded going through these these trying times you know we got to the point where some of us were getting followed by police or getting harassed by police i started getting singled out a lot um a couple times you know people were getting arrested and you and you was think you're seeing on the front lines the next day and you don't see them you know you're talking about coming out some days we out from like eight in the morning standing in front of the national guard till like 10 o'clock at night mm-hmm. You know, or you might, all right, I'm going to leave and go get some rest. And the people are calling you right back, <laughs> you know. Uh, but then when, when it slows down, that's that's the hard part. When 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 the protests slow down and you got to sit with all that energy you, you just took in over weeks of protesting and fighting, that's when it starts to hit you. The trauma, you know, the, the PTSD, the always looking over your shoulder, the anxiety, you know, uh, oh, yo, is the police going to follow me home from a protest? Or, you know, like, police officers broke my camera. Like, hey, what a shell broke my camera. Um, it, it 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 gets dark. Like, I went, I went through a really, really dark time. I was suicidal, you know, mentally depressed, you know, and then I still have to, at this time, my career, you know, which is something that I, I say all the time, you know, like, my, I feel like my career is going to broken back in Freddie Gray, you know. Mm. Black man died. My work was recognized for the work that I was doing in my community. But, and that's a lot to bear, you know, on your shoulders. You know, you feel alone because you have no one to, you know, talk to, you know, like, and, you know, like, mentally I was depressed. And I went through it for a while and something that, I've been dealing with ever since, you know, I've been shooting protests since 2014 up to like last year, you know, um, I haven't been to no protests this year. You know, I've been really like laid back and just, you know, working on the book and working on like other projects and shows and ideas. But, you know, like that's something that a lot of people definitely as a black, as a black photographer, when we go out, you know, I've talked to a lot of photographers that they went through it in 2020, but I had went through it, you know, five years before that, you know, so I was better equipped on how to take care of myself, you know, you know, um, knowing when to rest. A lot of times is, is we in, we in this mode that we're trying to, you know, as photographers capture these moments and we want to make sure we're there telling the true essence of the story that sometimes we will burn ourselves out. And, and, and I, and sometimes we like you would feel bad if you can't make it to a protest. Oh, I, I didn't make it to that one. And it's like, no, nah, I'm trying to talk. It's like, no, nah, it's okay. <laughs> you know, like you can't be, you can't be at every single one. We need you with the fresh eyes, you know. So I would tell photographers get some rest. But you know, it's like the biggest thing I tell people is like, talk up that process is hard. You know, I, I thought I was alone until I actually did a show called Three Years Later. You know, where I collaborated with this institute. It's called it's called the Institute of In- I can't remember. It's like where they do unconventional ways of healing, really. So it was the, I can't remember the name of the institutions. It's an institute of, I can't remember, but some doctors that have like a nonprofit and we partnered together where um, I did a show, but, you know, I did a panel with some other activists that I have met to, you know, like, um, 
Erica Bridgewood, who was like my kindergarten teacher who started Baltimore Ceasefire here in Baltimore. You know, people from my organization, BMO Block, um, and other organizations, we sat on a panel together. But turns out we were all so silent in 2015, around the same time. Damn. But no one was talking. We wasn't sharing it amongst each other until we did this panel together. But I was like, oh, yeah, I was, you know, I tried to harm myself around this time. And they was like, oh, I... Me too. So it was like we all were going through it, you know. But we was all going through it in these in these silos and not and not sharing it. And that's why, like, even through this process, like, I still, you know, deal with it and 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 it's a lot to take in. But I try to like speak about it and and, and be open about it. Like, yes, I've been suicidal. I suffer from depression, anxiety, and PTSD from going through all that stuff, you know. And I found better coping mechanisms and things like that, but it's something that becomes a part of you. You carry it with you every single day, you know. And it's so interesting when, you know, um, I remember George Floyd and a photographer, um, a white photographer, someone, I think it was on either National Geographic or one of those pages is I guess he was on assignment shooting all the shooting all the protests and and um around George Floyd and someone like commented like oh like how how was it he's like oh I had an amazing day I was out shooting I got some good shots mm. and I'm looking at the live like what the hell like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what you mean you had a good time like we like. Are you serious? Right like yeah. he cut the comments off so quick I cannot remember the photographer, but it was just like I don't, that's not a good day to me. I don't want, like, I do this, I do the work because it has to be done. That's my calling. But it's not a good day. <laughs> you know, like, it's just so interesting. But so I know for us, and, you know, being a black man, but subjected to all these things is something that weighs on me even to this day. You know, working on this book was like, put, put me in a bad mental space, like revisiting all that work, all those moments, you know, trying to put that book together. That's something I was going to ask you, right? Like, as photographers, we we see our images all the time, right? All the time, we 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 make the image, we cement it in our mind when we press when we press the shutter, and then it lives on our hard drives, it's on our phones. We see it, we see these images nonstop, right? Yep. So there's this photography is also an art. So how do you balance? Being in these high emotional situations, like a protest, especially like right after Freddie Gray died, and you know that that takes the protest up, it raises it up a few levels, right? Like, how do you how do you still make images that are powerful and impactful, and you still like? And I know you say you kind of get into this zone, but you know you're still there documenting it, and there's a certain art to documenting this. The, this pain, right? Like, how do you balance that? You know, it's something that I had to learn as I go, you know, and uh, I, I've had some good mentors, you know, in my corner, you know, people like, you know, Jamel Shabazz, Aaron Bryan, you know, I've been able to, Robert Hughes, talk to Robert Houston, you know, sat on the phone with Anthony Barboza, you know, mm. you know, you know, um, uh, Edgar, um, you know, some of the Kamange guys, you know, um, what, what, I think the most difficult part was finding, like you said, me trying to find that balance. And what I understood early on, you know, that I would have to separate 
a lot of things when they came to my off home because like when when I was shooting all those stuff in 2015, when I started getting those time calls, I didn't know anything about copyrights or anything. They thought I was like a well-seasoned photographer. When they found out that I only been taking pictures for two years, they was like, what? Like they couldn't believe it. <laughs> you know, like, so you're not shooting, you're just on the ground for yourself. So what I do is, I'm real big on, and I'm from the ghetto, I'm from um, Since a Beautiful Ghetto, uh, my first book, I was always big about controlling the narrative, you know, and what I understood was this work, it drives me, you know, and I understand how I understood early how impactful it was. You can't really pay me to do this work. I'm going to do it anyway. So from that day, I don't, certain stuff like that, I don't take assignments like that. So I go out and create that work on my own and people like the, both time covers, they found it online. I go cre create that work myself because I control the narrative at the end of the day. Yeah. My biggest fear for my work and is that capture these images and I know and they had those narratives be changed or shaped in a way that is not true to the, to the work. So I had to, I had to figure out how to do that, you know? So my biggest thing is I'm, and, 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 and it's one of those things is it does, um, I don't get certain jobs or I turn jobs down, things that I, I always try to think about my moral compass. Like, mm -hmm. I know how it feels to be from a city where people speak for me or want to tell me what I'm about. Um, so even with down to the work, all the work is mostly in Baltimore. 90% of the work is going to be in Baltimore, and that's something that I decided on. You know, people say, oh, we need you in. Oh, something happened in Cleveland. You're going to Cleveland. You know, you know what I tell people? All right, well, we need to find a photographer in Cleveland exactly. to understand the streets. Exactly. So they can speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't I know how it feels this I've seen it. You know, I have a whole bunch of photographers with credentials on, just jump into the hood, start taking pictures, and then bounce out and get pillar surprises. That's not, you know, and I'm and they have don't care about the narrative of the work, who is hurting. You know, how many how many activists are sitting in jail right now or have been jailed or who have been hit with fines because of the photography. And and that's something that I tell photographers all the time. That's another thing I had to I had to think about. These are some of my friends. I know some of my friends that I'm that I'm protesting with got warrants out, <laughs> you know, and they you know I try to shoot, I try to put my art my artistic hat on is like, all right, if I'm shooting this um, you know, I'm a shoot. I'm underexposed. I'm a shoot from behind this person. Mm -hmm. I'm a shoot at an angle that you can't tell who this person is. Yeah. Or if I'm going to shoot it, you're not going to be able to know what they're doing. It's important to know when you when to show faces and when not to show faces because I don't want anyone going to jail over the work that I create. And that's another thing that I'm constantly thinking about when I'm on the ground. And then you know, so when I'm out there and I'm working, I'm 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 a part of the pro. I'm there, but I'm also a part of the process too. I'm an ally in, in, in every sense of the word. Like, I'm here, but I'm not here. So I try to, you know, just capture everything, you know. And I have images that people will never see, you know, um, that I would never share. Yeah. You know, it's like, at the end of the day, you have to have some sense of, like, integrity, you know, um, and understanding. You, are, you, you th think about it, Baltimore, all the police officers got off. But it was protesters that got a couple years with it for, for what happened in 2015. Some people are paying back hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines for cutting a water hose or, or you know, or stomping on a car or busting a window. People got fined for that, but how, you know, and I only can imagine everything that happened in 2020, how many people were penalized when the police officers don't even get penalized through the photography and through the media.
which is very dangerous. Yeah, it's crazy because um, going back to Gordon Parks, you know, choice of weapon uh, is the camera, right? That's that's the tool that he said he was going to use to to make a change. That's the tool that you're using to make a change, right? And then during all these protests, for us to start discovering that our photos were being weaponized against us, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Because then it, 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 it had us thinking about how we are making photos and the responsibility of the image, not just making a, a good picture or not just making a picture that tells a story, but now we have to make a picture that is is good, that has context, that tells a story, but also shields certain people's faces so that they don't get caught up in some extra drama. Yep, exactly. You know, like... um. I always, I always get the question on like, what if I want to go do that? And like the first thing, why are you here? <laughs> like, why are you, why, why are you at this protest? Like a lot of people, that's the most simplest thing you should think about. Uh, if you want to go to a protest, why are you going? And a lot of people can't answer those, answer that question. You know, I can tell you why I'm going, you know, I'm going cause I'm going to document this moment. I'm going to tell the story in the, in the true essence as my community, you know, I, I know who to shoot, who not to shoot. I know how to shoot things, but I'm I'm making work so not only will it inspire, but it can educate. You know, it is 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 the work. Half of the work is capturing it, but what do you do after you capture it? How do you move the work? You know, and a lot of people I don't think people think about it. Some of the work, you, you know, photography books. You know, like both my books are being used. My first book was used for U.S. history. You know, I made a book looking at everyday life in Baltimore and also the protest so you can better understand what what Baltimore looks like, what Freddie Gray would have seen, what, what we see on a regular day basis, and then also looking at the protest. And I tell people all the time, it's like, you, you got to go there and, and, you know, and be selfless in, in a sense. You know, and as artists, we always want to be recognized for our work, but that has to be put on the back burner at this moment. Mm. You know, you know, I didn't, you know, like, I didn't ask for, I tell people all the time, like, I didn't, people think I was on assignment. It's like, no, like, I put the, my work, I just put it out in the world, and it was seen. That can happen for anybody, you know, but I, I just think that the way the universe worked and knew my heart, the powers that be knew that I was going to do what I had to do, and my biggest thing was give it back to my community. As soon as I got that time cover, I started to go from me so I can teach inner city kids photography. So, I, and you know, and that was the things that, you know, I encourage you know, photography is one aspect, but you can, you can, the work can do so much more if you let it, if you, if you move it, you know, going into the right rooms and, and just expanding. So like, if I was able to control the narrative, this one guy with one camera, you know, I was on ABC, uh, MSN, I was on all the, the news channels for, you know, but it's like, what else, what more can I do? If I was able to do that, you know, I noticed how many young kids were on the front lines. I'm talking about kids from the ages of eight all the way up to, to 18, you know, clashing with police, you know, riding their bikes through the police on the front lines while we getting tear gas and people getting maced. What if they had a camera though? What do they see with their eyes? And, you know, and I started teaching, you know, and that's what, I've, that's what I was like, that's my activism, you know, taking all the knowledge that I've gained and using the platform that I, I've gained and give that to the next generation because all I'm doing is just continue to work, you know, that, that my, my predecessors were doing 
you know, it just you just pass that down and continue to work. And I'll never forget Robert Houston, you know, um, who documented a poor people campaign, phenomenal work from North um, Northeast Baltimore. You know, he came, he wrote me a little letter, gave me a print, and said, "It's your time. I'm getting old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's your time." You know, and and I wanted to make sure while I'm still early in my career and I'm still building that I can, you know, I give kids cameras and I teach them and say, "Your time gonna come next." You know, like and. and just like that's what became my activism beyond just the photograph, but using that platform of the photograph to, to teach other kids to the medium. What's up, family? If you're enjoying this episode, do us a solid by leaving us a five-star rating or reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. We appreciate the support. So on that note, we're going to get back into the show. Peace. Yeah, that's amazing, man. And um, I know that you're self-taught, you know, um, and in being self-taught, that is still its own form of education, right? Because you're, you're, you're learning, you're choosing where you learn, where, you're, where you get your information and your inspiration and your resources and all of that, right? Um, and then you create the, uh, through your eyes, through their eyes, right? That's the program that you created for, for young kids. Yep. So being self- it, it, cha- it changed names a couple times, but that's oh. what I'm sticking with right now. <laughs> so this is, the, this is the current name through their eyes. Yeah. At first, you know, I I just I literally like I didn't know because I because when I took all those images, I just like learned what like I saw aperture was like that year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I literally just learned what shutter was and all this other stuff because I was just shooting on auto mode when I first started. You know, like I, and then when I start, oh, I can turn. This is manual. Oh, I, I can shoot manual now. All right, I start learning my lens choices. I start learning all these things in the midst of those things that I found. Like, oh, thirty-five is my favorite focal length right now, so I'm gonna just stick with that. You know, because when I first started, I bought a bunch of equipment, just buying everything. You know, stuff that I didn't even need, mm-hmm. and um, I, I was learning as I go. Um, you know, at that point, and I just remember, all right. All these people, I got all these followers are coming in. I'm like, literally, every image was going viral, at least. Like, every time I posted, it was going viral, you know. Every time um, I was working with Instagram, and I just made a GoFundMe. I just said, I inspire the youth. And that's what the name originally was. It, it, and I didn't I didn't think nothing of it, but, like, the CEO or something at that time donated, like, $1,000. The community donated, like, 3000 And then I just remember uh, the raid called my phone and the Ray McKenna's who wear like the blue vest all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he called, you know, I just had, you know, just had met him. He, um, cause he's originally from Baltimore too. He's in the book also, but we had had coffee a couple of times, just chatted. And, um, he had he, uh, Russell Simmons and his team and Michael Skolnick from Global Grind had reached out to me and they ended up donating a $25,000 grant, you know, um, to that program. Yeah. Which oh. started it, you know, which, which Beautiful. allowed me, I, yeah, I went back to, you know, and I didn't know anything. I just, I bought like some Canon T5Is. I bought some Nikon D5100s. I had did like a Photoville talk, some like Photoville, one of the photo expos. Mm-hmm. And I had met like um, some people at Samsung's so and they gave me some of their cameras. And I just threw them in a the trunk and I just drove <laughs> to the, I just drove like, like, um, like around the corner from like where, uh, 
where Freddie Gray grew up, like in the projects, they had just turned this old laundry mat into a zone for kids to get them off the street to play games. They put games in there. Wow. But I was like, I'm going to come in there and teach photography, you know, and then that was some of my kids, you know, like 20 now, <laughs> you know, still talk to them to this day, you know, and I've been able to give out, you know, hundreds of cameras. Like I stopped counting after like 600, but. Wow. You know, so I've been, that's been like. cameras, bro? Yeah, probably more than that now. So, like, I just gave a kid a camera the other day, like, a couple weeks ago. Wow. So does that mean that 600 different kids got cameras? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I, I've done it in different ways where, like, you know, um, my first time teaching, I didn't really, you know, I'm, I'm more like a, it was more like a mentorship, you know, coming, not so much, we're going to sit in class now, kids, and it's more so like, let, let me get to know you, let me tell you my story, and if you like this medium, like, let me teach you, and I'll tell you the power of an image, and, you know, and we built, it's kind of like a mentorship while learning the medium at the same time, but yeah, like, I, some ways I would, like, work with, like, some nonprofits, I partnered with, like, um, Red Bull on some stuff. Um, I partnered with Under Armour on some stuff. Steph Curry. I donated a bunch of film equipment because what I would do is while I had all this media attention, I also would have people who had like old digital cameras and point and shoots. I would have them ship them to my mom and my mom. Me, my mom would go through them and make sure they would work. And I would check them all. If it was missing charges, I just go bomb. And then I just it got to the point where a lot of kids that were trying to work with me, but I didn't have the time. So I just would drive around the city with a bunch of cameras in my trunk. And then like kids would be like six years old, uh, while we about to start class, like I'm like, Oh, I wanna learn photography. I'm like, I can't teach you, but you want a camera? To the point where like kids was running around over West with like little little, you know, little like point shoots in their back pocket and you know, all different types of stuff. So like a lot of times like I'm not you know, a kid might say, oh, I, I want to, you know, they show me these series. I just, I will just give them a camera if I got it, you know, uh, and it, and it just like, just come and, you know, I've been able to partner with a lot of people that supported and a lot of support from the community, photographer that sent me like old equipment and I just find a new home for it. Yo, fam, that's amazing, man. That's amazing, man. Yo, much respect to you for like, for real, like really using that that platform and just like taking the opportunity to like really pour into to to your city, man. Like, yo, sometimes that's all these young people need is, is something to occupy their imagination, you know. Yeah, definitely. You know, Baltimore. You know, we got a climate murder rate every year. You know, a lot of the youth are dying, so it's like. You know, if I can snatch one up, just one, you know, and I tell, I tell, all, I tell, you know, all my, all my peers and my photography homies, like, just grab one that, you know, I've worked with a lot of kids, but then I have some that just like, this, this is my joint. Like, I'm rocking out with this. Like, some of my, one of my kids is like at the bottom of school of arts. I gave him a camera. He came to one of my workshops. Cause what I would do is like some classes might run for six months and then we would do like a, a workshop that might last a couple of weeks or a couple of days, depending on the program and who I'm collaborating with. You know, like one of my kids, um, actually got a full ride to NYU, like during COVID. So I was just like, what? Wow. Like, that's crazy. You know, so like I see like some of my, some of the kids, you know, they, some of them even move into other art forms, you know, it's about building that, even if they don't stick with it, but it's like, they build confidence through it, you know, like, oh, I can create something, you know, um, and then having someone that, you know, I can sit here and say dreams do come true. Like, I'm successful at what I do. I, I have a, you know, I work at Under Armour, you know, the kids love that. Oh, you work with stuff? <laughs> I, you know, like that, that, that get them hooked every time. But, you know, like, oh, yeah, kids, you can't make money off photography. I'm going to prove you wrong. You know, like, 
you know, this is my full-time job, and they get blown away, but now they get that, oh, I can do a two mentality where where we coming from, you know, it's like, oh, the local, the drug dealers, you, you might have a couple basketball players, football players, you know, but, you know, you might have a couple lawyers or doctors or some writers, you know, but like for us, it's like we never, our phone was never offered to us, so it's like when they meet people like, like me, they be like, you know, what? Like, you from here? You know, or they meet like some of my peers that write, and it's like, all they need to do is to see the possibility and then they're going to run with it. Yeah, man. And to have somebody who who has done something and made some success out of it, be there giving them their time. Like sometimes it's, it's good to, to donate money, right? Because we need money. Money make the world rotate, right? But when you can also be there giving your time, like in person, like that goes a long way for these kids to just see your face, Right, see you there present with them, giving them your time. Like that right there can go a long way as well. Yeah, definitely. Like that's the most impactful. Like it's showing that I believe in you, you know, me showing up physically, mm-hmm. teaching you and then giving you this tool and say, I believe in you, run with it. You know, I was able to do this, I wanna see what you can do with it. You know, and that's like um, you know, like people are like, Oh, you don't have a non profit yet. And it's like, No, I've been grassrooting the entire time because you know, when it's all said and done, you know, I want like a gallery in Baltimore. I want all those things, but I'm still building my career. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't got time to run like a nonprofit. That's why I like to party with people, but I've been doing it like on my own. It's like my t- people be like, hey, you really going to come and spend time with the kids? Like, yes, I'm coming. Like, you know, that brings me joy. And then, you know, also just it keeps me fresh and keeps my eyes fresh. The way they look at things actually inspired me to be better. You know, like working with the kids was like, oh, you know, um, years of being on the front lines and creating this work, I had lost my actual creative vision that I can shoot so many different things. And I started becoming stagnant because I was creating a bunch of work that I thought people wanted to see via being brainwashed by social media. Yeah. You know, but working with the kids gave me a, always keep me on my toes and keep me fresh for the ideas. So, you know, sometimes when we're starting out in this, in this, in this, on this journey, right? We're, we're making work that just feels good to us because nobody's paying us, right? So we're just like out there photographing everything, whatever whatever we think is cool, beautiful, whatever, it resonates with us at that moment, right? So it sounds like that's what you were doing. Then you started to get some attention and then your, your focus started to shift more to what you think, uh, you what you think, you know, social media wants to see or what, you know, these publications want to see. How did you, you know, bring it, how did you, like, bring it back to, like, that, to, to focus on, like, to figure out what your focus is or what your why is for photography? Um, yes, it was a process, you know, like, um, when I first started, you know, I didn't have, like, an aesthetic or a style. I didn't know what I wanted to say. I didn't know anything about doing shows. I didn't know anything about, you know, putting together a body of work, putting together a portfolio, but, the, you know, um, but these are things that I have, I have learned, but, you know, but coming out of, you know, 2015 and, you know, I had took, I decided that I wanted to stay in Baltimore and I took a full-time job with Under Armour, you know, and, you know, the guy that, uh, Steve Batista at the time, like the SVP of the uh, global brand creative team was like, your career, you know, working here is going to slow you down. And I was like, yeah, I want to be here for a long time, not a short time. I'm taking my time with this, you know, Artwork is a slow grind, and I understand that. I'm in no rush <laughs> to, you know, I want to sit back and learn. You know, like I'm, I'm a student of this craft. So, 
you know, but I found myself, you know, if I wouldn't, I was only creating work that had got me to that point. And it, I had been engulfed in it. It was like literally, it was like, it felt like a energy on top of me. Like I needed to be at every protest. I needed to be at every meeting. I needed to be there. I needed to be there, you know? And then, you know, people wanted me there. So it's like, people would call me and I was there. But in the midst of that, I had got so busy with that, you know? And I had took, another reason why I took the job with Under Armour because, you know, Gordon is like my idol and I study his work, but his work with Muhammad Ali, you know, when after shooting stuff on that freelance job, I was very frustrated shooting that it was the first time i left the country and i didn't feel like i did a good job you know um it was my first time like i've shot in basketball but like traveling from country to country you know shooting work that's not my own i'm shooting for someone else for the first time and i was very frustrated so like i i was frustrated in that space learning the commercial world learning how to work in the corporate side of art it was very very stressful because it was like for the first time it was like oh Someone can tell me my pictures and my pictures are not good. Mm. No, uh, and I hadn't gone through any type of criticism. I haven't had any portfolio reviews. I haven't had any, you know, it's like now, it's like now I'm in a space and I'm working. It's like, oh, I have to create this image based off what the art director is telling me or what the creative director is telling me or whatever campaign that I'm working on needs to look this way, which is very, very stressful. But, you know, after working on, you know, um, my my book in 2017, I sat down with Aaron Bryant and this was like, I had the book. It was like, it was like the little like paper bag, like the little um for me to review. So I asked him to look at the book. So he came back with all these sticky notes. It was like, <laughs> this, and he ripped me to shreds. Like I was sitting there like, bruh, like he literally took out like 50 photos and I'm like, bro, you got in my book right now. <laughs> and you know, but, but the criticism was just so on point and, and, and that's one thing about being an artist. You gotta have some tough skin and be open to being criticized. So like him editing my book show how stagnant I had become, like how I, how I, you know, how I looked at my own work. I, and that's when I took a step back from that work and I started to, you know, once again, back to the drawing board, let's study more photography. I started studying other mediums and start studying other things. And I, I, I have forgotten about my style, my process of creating. You know, I've been influenced by, you know, being in the commercial world now and, you know, being on assignments and things like that and working on a book. But I've always, my style has always been just about self-reflecting. So basically, I digest whatever's happening around me and then I regurgitate it to the rest of the world. That's what my work was always in the moment. So what I did was I stripped everything back down and I got back to carrying my camera with me everywhere because I got to the point like I wasn't even carrying my camera with me. But all the best work that I created is just always having my camera on. And I, and I went back to the drawing board and I stopped working on other than work stuff. You know, I just went back to the drawing board. You know, I would still be on the front lines because that's my calling and, 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 and I, I love the, you know, I, I, I want to be there. But on a creative side, I had to take a step back you know, and refocus, you know, I had to, you know, I started studying other photographers and, you know, looking at different t styles of photography, looking at landscape, different lens selections. And, and, you know, even to the point I went a year without no camera and I just had my phone and that pushed my creativity to a different level. Cause I had to shoot on my phone, edit on my phone. Um, and, you know, in a sense it has its limitations, but it makes you work a tad bit harder. So it was like a, pro a process. And like, now I know that even though, 
like I'm an artist, I might have a style, but all my bodies of work are slightly different. So what I what I do now is, you know, I take time off, take a step back, and I might I might paint, or I might just be focused on writing. Or, you know, I always feel like I had to be taking pictures every day. <laughs> if I didn't take pictures, I didn't do something. Like, now I learned to take a step back from the work, revisit older words, because sometimes, you know, we can overlook our work. And I'm, I'm always, like, I'm really big on, like, um, having people look at my photography, sharing it, you know, talking about it. But, you know, what I found is my style, my creativity is always me being present in the real world, and, and that's how I create and then from creating from that, something comes from it. And then I just build on top of whatever the, 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 the concept is. And I just build on top of it. But, you know, being in the real world and just storytelling is, is, is my style. Um, take exercise, right, as an example. If you go to the gym every day and you just lift and 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 right, uh, thinking that's going to make you stronger, you're going you're gonna to burn out. Your muscles are going to fail. You get stronger mm-hmm. when you rest. Mm-hmm. That's when your muscles grow. It's the same thing with creativity. Same thing with, you know, our art. You know, you can go out there and make images all day. Shoot, 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 snap, 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 right? But when do you have time to process the things that you've been documenting? Especially, you know, um, in your case where a lot of the work at certain points was... Uh, very powerful and and could be, you know, uh, sometimes uh, traumatizing and and sometimes draining, right? So you definitely have to take steps back to to make sure you're able to recharge yourself. Yep, yep, definitely. So I know when you you set out on your your photographic journey, you, you went home, you started Googling black photographers, you found Gordon Parks, and you soaked up everything. Soaked up, soaked it all up. You know, watched interviews, read his books, and now you're like considered a modern day Gordon Parks. What does it mean for you to be now compared to the same man who inspired you so much? Man, that's some big shoes to fill. I got a lot of work to do, David. <laughs> I do know that. I got, um, but you know, once again, you know, everything that I do is always drift in community. You know, I always try to put. Community first, I probably do it a little bit too much. I always get told, you know, like, put yourself first sometimes, you know, but, you know, I understand, you know, it's like when you set out to do something, you actually do it, you know, and it's just like, it's very humbling, you know, like when people compare my work to his and, you know, people even to even call me that, you know, it's an honor, you know, but just so much more work to do. And, and I, and I think, where I think for me, where people compare me to Gordon, I think is the community aspect. But like I really love how Gordon, you know, really lived his work and always looked to give back with his work. And I try to live up to that, you know, just, you know, because photography in a sense is always, you know, um, it's a collaboration between you and your subjects. And, and you know, even looking at what's the Savio story, um, how he went to Brazil, you know, and, and helped it help the kids see a doc and all that other stuff. But those are the things that I love most about Gordon. It was just, you felt like you knew him through the work. So, you know, when people compare, you know, you know, like when I met first met Peter from the foundation and he compared me to me, not just because of the work, but, you know, I love for community and, and using the art form to give back, you know, it really made, made me happy, you know, and, 
now is just so interesting because like how I, you know, I'm able to be a part of that legacy, but also educate people on Gordon. You'd be surprised how many people don't know about Gordon, you know, um, and how sometimes, you know, kids recognize the photos that I showed him that he, he's taken some of the people that I work with, but they don't, they don't know his work, you know, and to be a part of a legacy and to help educate more people are just not even about him, but a lot of the greats, you know, like, um, the Roy Day Carreras and uh, Jamel Shabazz and a lot of the, the legends that are still with us today. Like I'm still unpacking photographers. You know, I did a talk in Chicago and it's like, I'm learning about all these photographers. Like I got like a whole notebook of just a bunch of names written down mm. and this, this discovering their work and people that were creating and, and you know, and, and I think it's important definitely as black photographers, you know, um, that we, we revisit their work and share their work because we have a larger platform than they ever had, you know, but they laid the ground and the foundation for us. So, you know, just to be a part of that legacy brings me joy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it means that, um, you know, Gordon was self-taught as well. And, yep. um, and the fact that you're, you're, you're in the same camp and, and the fact that uh, Peter from, from the foundation compared not just your images, but like your love for community and 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 for your people, um, like you and and Mr. Park share that same have that similarity. Like you can't be that kind of photographer without having something in your heart that allows mm -hmm. you to see the world the way you see it. You know what I mean? Um, yep. So that's right there. That's like the essence. I mean, photography is like if 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 the camera is your tool to express how you see the world. Then you're only gonna express what's in your what's with within you. If you're full of shit and and pain and you're angry and bitter and then that's you're not gonna be able to see the beauty in your environment and the beauty in the people that you're photographing. You're only gonna see like what's wrong with them. You're only gonna see like the the negative aspects of things. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the fact that you're able to see that beauty in all of this. You know, um, sometimes in all of this madness, and and but you're able to kind of like sometimes narrow, narrow it down and find that beauty in that moment is like that's 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 coming from within, bro. Yeah, facts. You know, and that's what I love about you know a lot of the photographers now, and you can see see it in the work. You know, like I like to feel like I know, I know the photographer through the work. You know, like before I knew who like. Uh, you know, Andre Wagner was, I was following him on the gram when I, when I was just getting started and his work, like you can see that he cares. You can see the comfort, you know, and the respect for people's spaces. And that made me a fan of him, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, people, you know, we talked about, you know, like the McCoys and you, know, you got Brandon Ruffin out in Oakland. You got, you got my boy Adrian, um, he's out in Chicago. You got all these amazing photographers that, when I, you know, I'm mood board, you know, I mood board a lot and just always like collect inf information and, and stuff. And then my favorite photographers I always like look at the person, you know, it makes me feel like I know them. Can I, can I feel like I know you through this image, you know, but a lot of times, like you said, some images can come off so cold and eerie, you know, and I used to stay away from those, <laughs> stay away from those photographers, you know, cause a lot of, a lot of the work can be very exploitive. And I'm not a fan of that at all. Definitely coming from like a city where, you know, if you look at like the 12 o'clock boys and the wire and stuff, like people come here just to capture that stuff because they get likes for the gram 
or it's going to win them an award or it's going to be their next break, you know, but these are, these are people, you know, you're speaking for them, you know, like you photograph these people, it's a collaboration between you and them. And you, you know, you're dictating how they're being viewed by the rest of the world through your work, mm-hmm. through your eye, your lens. It's and I think that, that's it's a, resp- yep, it's a big responsibility. Absolutely. You know, um, so if you could break bread with Gordon Parks, like right now, if you're still alive, and this was the first time you were meeting, what would you talk about? What would you do? That's tough. Um, I would, I would, I would, it's, it's, it's something that I, I, I would talk to him mostly about how he navigated the world at his time. You know, I think doing what he was able to do and, 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 and the time where, you know, he's documenting Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, and the state of the world right now, but how he was able to stay true to himself and also maneuver all these different spaces and have respect in those spaces. You know, I think it was very, very interesting. And I think that's what made, you know, Gordon very, very special. You know, he had this thing where he could respect everybody from every walk of life and and, and even at the, the state of the world then, you know, so I would just want to talk to him because it's something that is that we deal with to this day. You know, I have problems with it, you know, because I can come off, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm I fine. I'm more so like I'm, I'm from the hood. Like I'm, 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 I have a little bit of ruggedness to me, you know, mm-hmm. but whereas though, whereas though, you know, I might not use, you know, I, I find that it's like some artists, like the work can, like the work can be okay. And, but then they just, they just tie a bunch of big, you know, words together because they went to art school and understand all the tech, <laughs> all the tech points and all the, how to say it, you know, they tied together to, to explain something very, you know, something that might be simple. And it's like, oh, love it. You know, it's like, <laughs> I come in, you know, sometimes I come in, I'm a little rough around the edges. Like, yeah, I took this picture because, you know, because when I first started, you know, started doing interviews, I was like, no, I'm going to just be myself. I was like, just be yourself. And I, I always what try to like, gonna be? be myself. But it's like the way Gordon was able to stay true to himself and just maneuver all those spaces, I just think it was very, very interesting. So I would definitely want to talk to him about that, you know, um, about, you know, picking and choosing your battles. And, you know, I think it's something that as, as black artists, we're still navigating this space today. Like, what spaces do do we want to be in? Are we accepted in? Do we want to fight for this space? Or, you know, you know, you, you've seen Choice of Weapons, how he talked about, like, how, you know, his daughter, you know, um, Leslie talks about um, him not getting those big, director roles, you know, to direct like a war movie and things like that, you know, and I find that a lot of black artists and a lot of my peers deal with that to this day, navigating this treacherous space, you know, like they only want you around Black History Month, Martin Luther King, or if a black man died then they call us, they want us to shoot the protests on, you know, like even now, navigating can be very, very difficult if you don't have the right connects. And, you know, if you're not in New York or you're not in L.A., you know, like coming out of a small city like Baltimore, we got to work 10 times harder and travel a lot more. You know, so I would love to talk to him just about like how he navigated coming from the South, and mm. being in Chicago, being in New York and, you know, going overseas, you know, and, and you know, this would be a very interesting conversation because even myself, like I found like in certain rooms and certain spaces, definitely in the, in the art world that I found myself, I would try to like, not, I would do it unbeknownst to me, but I would shrink myself 
you know, because I didn't feel comfortable in those spaces. I didn't feel welcome, you know, but it's like, I deserve to be in these spaces because I've done the work, you know, so I would love to talk to Gordon about just how to navigate the space that, you know, the world that he was in and, you know, creating such impactful work and being able to, you know, shoot for Vogue and, you know, turn around and direct Shaft. And, you know, I just think it was phenomenal in this out of this world. So I would love to talk to him about that. That's great, man. I know that was sort of like a, a trick question, right? Because it's like, <laughs> it's like you could talk, talk to him about, about everything, anything, <laughs> right? But I think I, I like that. I like the fact that you would want to connect with him about just how he would navigate his time because, you know, racial tensions are still high, but a mm-hmm. lot of, uh, but the, the, is a lot more acceptance now than it was during his time. And, and there weren't a lot of black folks walking around with cameras into the spaces that he was in photographing white yep. people. So, yep. you know, for him to be able to do that, stay alive, right? He died of natural causes, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, he was older, yeah, right? In his, what, he was in his 90s. Um, I can't even remember how old he was. I know, I know, I think he passed probably, yeah, because he passed away in 2007, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, yep. for him to make it that, that, that long dying of natural causes and and still navigating through all of those spaces as a black man with a camera, man, he had to, yo, he, he had to have so much freaking charisma and personality. <laughs> So yeah, I'm, he, I'm with you on that. Yeah, he was confident too. Yeah, he was confident too. He had the head slicked back. He had his little. Yep. He he was smooth, you know. Like the confidence, you can see it. You can see the confidence not only in the work, but in him too. How he carried himself, yeah. like how he walked on stage. He had a certain swagger about him that just like God just was iconic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got one more trick question for you. Would you rather be photographed by him or would you rather photograph him? I'm going to photograph him all day. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm going to get that photograph. I don't even like taking pictures, but like, I don't know. Because when I ran into like, uh, every time I run into, what's his face at um, DNH or anywhere I see him, oh my God, why is his name not ringing a bell? Mendez. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, anytime I see him, I, yo, <laughs> let me get a picture. <laughs> yep. I got like three already. Let me get one. Nice, but nice. yeah, I'm definitely going, I'm definitely going to like photograph him. Okay. I'm going to be nervous though, because I'm going to be nervous as hell, but I, I would definitely photograph him. Wow. You mean, imagine like giving Gordon Park's direction, like, like turn your, all right, turn your chin, lift, lift your chin, yeah, right. look towards this light right here, right? Yeah. Amazing. So, um, all right, you know, you you have a book out, No Justice, No Peace, right? And I know that your grandma bought your first camera on credit from Best Buy. And yep. in your book, you have a photo of her sitting on the couch reading it. Like, I think that's just a, a really dope photo because there's so much st- backstory to it. Um, yep. And it's covering generations, right? Like, I, you know, you, you most of your photos are in black and white. And it ties into history, like that our folks have been through in this country. So it's sort of like this long thread of history, where you know your grandmother experienced, you know, civil rights in her time. She might have been out there marching through those same Baltimore streets, and then to be looking at your book that's covering the modern day protests happening. I feel like there's so many generations happening in that photo. Like, what did your grandmother say when? when she like saw that book 
Oh man, she over overwhelmed with joy. I'm you know I'm just happy. My grandma was older, you know, so I'm just so happy that she's here, you know. But she was just blown away. I think she's still reading, you know. Like that's that's a funny thing. It's a photo book, but it got a lot of words. Mm-hmm. So it's like everybody go, everybody look at all the photos first, and then I'll be like, did you read it though? They be like, oh, I'm still reading. Uh-huh. <laughs> but no, she loved it. Like you know, she's like she's been there every step of the way. You know, my entire family. You know, one thing about you know when I have talks or anything local, my grandma was always there. Then as soon as someone asked me a question, the first thing she's going to yell is, I bought him his first camera. I believe him when nobody did. You know, like, my, my grandma don't got no filters, so she's going to say That's how great. she feel. But, you know, and my mom is like over the moon. You know, she's my mom wrote in the book. Like, my mom always wanted to be um, a writer. So she wrote for my first book. And she wrote like a little insert for this book, too. So, like, I, I think every book that I do, she always going to add something to it. So, um, you know, she's been there, you know, big supporter of, you know, I got to take her to the NWCP Image Award because my first book was nominated. You know, that's my right hand man. So a lot of support from the from the family, childhood friends and everything. So that's beautiful, man. And um, way to uh, stay, stay true to to your mom and your grandmother for like being that support, man. It seems like you, you grew up with uh, a lot of strong women in your family looking out for you. Yeah, you, yeah as long as you got to. Like a praying grandmother and a mother, you good. <laughs> Yo, for real. The sky's the limit. <laughs> for real. Especially, you know, you talking about, you know, you kind of went off course a bit. Um, that Those prayers, man, keep you, they bring you right back on track, bro. Yep, yep. My mother know. My mother's like, that's my that's my anchor. She know when that shit, boy, you need to sit down. You're doing too much. Mm-hmm. You need to sit down. Look, you had too many shots today. Sit down. <laughs> no more shots for you. Wow. <laughs> you're partying too much. Get refocused. Like she always in my ear. If I'm if I'm messing up or I'm not up to par or I'm not in my A game, she'll let me know. As they should, right? Especially if they're yeah. if they're like our angels on earth, right? That they they're gonna make sure we stay on the right path. Yeah, you know. Thanks. Um. So you know, I had I had Jamel Shabazz on the show um a few years ago, and I was like super surprised that he said yes, man. I was like, wow, this is this is crazy. And then, that's the humblest brother ever. <laughs> yo, fam, like, and randomly, this dude would send me, like, an email or a note just, like, saying, like, some words of inspiration. And I'm just like, I can't, be- I can't believe my phone. I'm looking at the phone like, bro, like, Sh- Sh- Jamel is emailing me? <laughs> right? Like, wow, I just feel so, like, honored, right? And he, yep. he wrote the foreword for your book. Right, and, yeah. <laughs> it, as, and that's that's amazing, bro. In it, he he's quoted saying, "Amidst the images of rage and sorrow, you cap you capture uh, a celebration of life," and that's beautiful. That's beautiful because, you know, going back to you being able to document all these different aspects of Baltimore. I mean, there's a lot that is you know that could be changed and could be fixed, right? It's not always beautiful, but you're able to find that beauty in some of the work that you're doing. Like, how are you able to find that? Um, yes, you know, like like I said, it was pretty tough in my younger years. You know, it's still pretty tough. You know, I lost a lot of friends to gun violence. I lost, like, you know, I lost, like, uh, like two friends this year. Um, 
I've lost friends to, you know, a, a lot of different ways. You know, so I hated this city growing up. And through through photography, I learned how to love it again. And the biggest thing, you know, when I'm when I'm documenting Baltimore, a lot of times Baltimore it can be very very stressful. You no, know, but there's a lot of love here, and you wouldn't know that love if you're not from here. It's a certain sense of camaraderie. We, you know, we are proud of where we come from. You know, like ask somebody where they from. Oh, I'm from West Baltimore. I'm from this street. I'm from this block. You know, like or oh, I'm from over east. I'm from down the hill. You know, people take pride in where they from. You know, so I try to show that through the imagery because I feel like it's a, it's not enough of it. You know, so I try to show even even some of the if I can catch one of my homeboys who might be stone cold, like you know he don't show no emotion. I'm gonna make him, I'm gonna get a picture of him laughing. You know, I just want to show the flip side to what people might think they know about Baltimore. You know, um, it's still gonna be real and authentic, but I still want people to see the other side. So when people think about the wire, they don't show a lot of these intimate moments, you know, of just the love and the that's in the streets too. You know, um, despite everything, Baltimore's one of those places that if you can make it any, I know they say New York, but I feel like if you're from Baltimore, you can make it anywhere. <laughs> you know, and I just want I want you know, I make these images not just for me, but I do make it for the community. So that's why I'm like I like to overshare my work. I'm always posting, I'm always you know, I don't hoard my work. I make it, I put it out because, you know, I want my city to see it through my eyes also. So, you know, I just try to show a different side, you know, to keep keep that, you know, keep people inspired, you know, and things like that in the city, you know, because sometimes, you know, it can get kind of dark here, but it's always, uh, you know, some light at the end of the tunnel. So, like, I just try to show, like, the raw essence of it. And I, and I, and I don't, I, and it's all, it's always there. I don't have to look for it. It's always there. You know, um, sometimes just with all the negativity, it can be overlooked, and I try not to overlook it when it's there. This is Devin Nyland, and you tune into the Black Shadow Podcast. I want to give a big shout out to everyone who tuned into this episode. Thank you for listening. The Black Shutter Podcast is hosted by me, Idris Talib Solomon. To subscribe to the Black Shutter Podcast, head over to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. When you get there, show us some love by dropping a five-star rating or leaving a review. This will help with our rankings, which essentially helps more black photographers get exposure. Make sure to check us out online at blackshutterpodcast.com to read the show notes, learn more about our guests, and check out some of their work. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Peace. Until next time.